Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. Is that absinthe you're drinking, Kevin? No, I'm Paul no. John Dykes and I'm joined today by Kevin Graham and Russell Boyce for the Axon Bulletin. We are here at 12.30, win, lose or draw. It's been something of a weekend, Kevin. Uh, not only the defeat to Rangers, which really signals the end for me, it's 10 in a row and I'd, I'd be interested to hear your views on that. But the aftermath of that, uh, whereby we've got a, a manager who following Celtic's 4-1 defeat to Sparta Prague. Um, back in November, he comes out and says that uh, he spoke of a need for change in terms of the culture at Celtic Football Club. He called his own players lazy and lackadaisical and he has since questioned their fitness. 24 hours after a devastating defeat 
at Ibrox. He's pictured uh, on the bevy, poolside with his captain. And I just think that, for me, this, this typifies everything that is wrong with Celtic Football Club at this moment in time. Because I think, and I said this after the game, they've become fat, lazy and arrogant. That's Celtic for me. And in, in a nutshell, Kevin, what's your thoughts on that? It's quite hard to disagree with anything that you've actually said. I maybe disagree with arrogant. I think we've just got complete lazy. Um, Saturday's game for me, I say that it was like the body was already in the coffin in the living room and all the family were coming round to see it. And Saturday was just that coffin lid getting nailed down. Um, and now all that's left is the wake. When the wake will be great. There'll be a sing song, there'll be a buffet, and there'll be like a, probably a fight at the end yet. Then we've got, we've all got then we've all got to contest the wall, eh? That's what we need to do. Old Auntie Beryl will appear and go, Oh no, my brother wouldn't they want my money going to you? And that's what the Celtic that's that's what I feel like being the Celtic supporter. And I feel like old old Auntie Beryl gone, No, this is not the way this should be happening. You, he's not getting that house. Well, um, Kev, uh, old Auntie Beryl can have near beat on as a centre half and she can also have all Olivier and Cham and various other players and Shane Duffy as a centre forward. Russell, what was your thoughts after that game on Saturday to open up your social media and see what Kevin described as an image akin to Stone Cold, what is it, Stone Cold War Steve or whatever his name is? Cold War Steve. Cold War Steve, where he puts loads of uh, different celebrities in a picture. And since you mentioned uh, Cold War Steve, Kev, I have seen various photoshopped efforts of Rod Stewart walking about in trunks and all that as part of that uh, that scene. But to be honest with you, it wouldn't have made it any more ridiculous if, if Stewart was walking about in a, in a pair of budgie smugglers. You know, it was that bad. It was that bad. What's your thoughts, Russell? Uh, I think as well when you when you when you take the photo into consideration, this to me is this is our banter year. That's what I would describe it as, and we had a lot of fun um, taking aim at the the other side when there was managers beside you know talking about caravans and dogs standing in bushes. We are now at that moment in time where we are getting we, we deserve everything that comes our way. Um, that photo, what it also tells me is how can you go for that morning, right, I promise you he would have been trying to educate the the foreign element of the team or the younger element of the team, the new recruits, as to how big this all is, how much it means to play for Celtic. We get beat and he's then bevying with the captain. And by the way, I used to own a pub for six years, right? I understand how beer works. You don't just have the one, right? So any nonsense about that just being, you know, caught in a moment is nonsense, right? You don't just have one. Uh, what message does that send to what, does, what, what inspiration does David Turnbull get going forward at Celtic? What inspiration does that ever give to someone like Odson Edward, who probably just confirmed his full belief that he was leaving anyway? Mm. Uh, it's just it's just amateur hour, um, and we deserve every single bit of uh, photoshopping and mick-taking that comes our way, I'm afraid. The one thing about that, at least we're actually good at it, taking the mick out ourselves. Eh? That's, that's one thing that we are good at. For that 40, right, fair play, they've been on a flight, they've went there, it's maybe been time off and they've sat next to the pool. For me, it's the crassness of them thinking this was good to go away. <clears throat> In the middle of a global pandemic, when I can't go on holiday, I can't, I can't go and visit, I can't go and visit family members, I can't even come down to the studio to do this face to face. And they and, and they think it's actually great PR to fly to Dubai and I just do not see that they're thinking 
mean, well, let's put it another way. If this was, if Neil Lennon was Boris Johnson, let's go back to Cold War Steve. If Neil Lennon was Boris Johnson sitting in Dubai <laughs> having a beer when the country is up the utter shitter, sorry, sorry about swearing, the whole country would be in up in arms. Yeah. So what, what makes Celtic Football Club any different? It's, it shouldn't be any different if it was a if it was any sort of other company. They shouldn't be taking their, their employees on holiday. That's, you see the thing that's for me, eh? That's it. Well, what I've been seeing online, and and obviously you you try and get a sense, Kevin, of the feeling amongst the Celtic fans because the vast majority of people, for example, uh, on my Twitter page, Celtic fans. I mean, that's just the way it is. So you try and get a a sense of how the the majority are feeling. And it's been difficult until now. We made comments uh, at Pataudry at half-time, Kevin, and it was quite clearly divided, probably down the middle, maybe 60-40 for Neil Lennon back then. A divided opinion. But I just think it's universally um, you know, swung in, in a completely different direction now. And these things, as you say, it's a PR disaster. It's an absolute disaster. Now, you watch the old um, Celtic story video. Remember the, the original Celtic story video? It came out in the 80s. But it uh, told the Celtic story up till the, the 1960s. There was some amazing footage of Celtic's players enjoying themselves on that uh, North American tour that... It was the, the kind of basically that was a prelude to the, the European Cup winning season and they're all having a joke and a laugh and they're all around the pool and that was the greatest side we've ever had and you understand that's what happens when clubs get together it's the first night there right boys go and enjoy yourself and have a few beers but under the circumstances and the timing of it and after that disaster on Saturday and after all the comments that Neil Lennon's been talking about culture and fitness of players and the way that Lee Griffiths has been pulled over hot coals about his fitness and you just look at that I mean would we not have been better Kevin you're right staying at home and maybe even getting one of these fixtures out of the way that's one of our so called games in hand I mean was that a possibility Look, we have, we have went to Dubai in previous years when there has been a winter shutdown, but this is no previous years, and I'm not, I'm not even going to actually have a look at the fact that the season's an absolute horror show. I'm actually just looking at the fact that we've been basically in lockdown for nearly a year. We they've took the club, they've took my, my season ticket money, they've took thousands of other season ticket money, and they've went to and, and they've went to Dubai. And, and you're just going, this just doesn't fit right. This just, just doesn't sit right. It wouldn't even have sit, sit right if we were 19 points clear. Mm-hmm. It just, we moaned about internationals. We, we moaned about players going away on internationals, mixing with people out with their, out with their bubble. They're now mixing with tourists in a hotel out with their bubble. It's just absolutely farcical and an utter PR disaster. It is farcical, a wee bit like Celtic season actually and um, when you're looking at the, the games leading up to the Rangers game Kevin, you're quite cautious going into that game uh, obviously in the, in the podcast leading up to it and you were talking about being happy with the draw I made a comment at half-time when I was talking about the game with Anthony Haggerty that at half-time I would have been gutted with a draw at half-time um, but I had to check myself because we had been there before against Hearts in the Cup final, Kevin where we looked really good. We were very impressive in the first half. We were very impressive in the first half against Dundee United. So I was sitting there, no thinking, I was sitting there watching the, the Rangers game and I was, you know, I was looking at the fact that we've lost so many goals in the second half this season. I was looking at the fact that in the last 20 minutes of the games, 
we have lost 37% of all goals conceded in the last 20 minutes. We've lost 15 goals in the last 20 minutes. That's, that's not Celtic. That's not what Celtic used to be about. We used to be the team scoring the goals in the dying embers of a game, pulling it back from the dead. Um, but again, on, on Saturday, and I've said this as well, we clutched defeat from the jaws of success, from the jaws of victory. We should have won that game. But that says as much about the game management, Kev, as, as anything else. And one of the uh, examples we've been using for the last few weeks, Russell, you remember uh, that, that moment when Simunovic gets sent off at Ibrox under Brennan Rogers. He already knows plan B, plan C and plan D. What happens when Beton gets his marching orders? I, I didn't see anything happen. I seen absolutely, uh, I, I didn't see any changes at that moment in time. They didn't know what to do. They didn't have a plan B. Yeah, I think either the free kick, from my memory anyway, the free kick actually got took before any any substitutions were made. Um, I've, I could be wrong here because I'm not a stato like you know some of your finer guests than me. I'm sure it was it Brown and El Hamid that was the first two subs. Um, no, no, Ella, who yeah, I do think I think the the decisions that Lennon made quite clearly didn't work. And you get to the stage, like I said, all fair. You get to five minutes to go, and tell me he's not up front. Tell me he is not up front again. I mean, as if he's not made a big enough plunker of himself in this game all day. Tell me that Shane Duffy is not now up front, and we've used all five subs. If we have got to that stage when we hadn't used any subs up to the red card, mm-hmm. after the red card we use all five and Shane Duffy is the answer up top, uh, it's just unacceptable. It's, it does prove that, yes, the red card changed the game. And I think the saddest thing for me is at that moment I knew that we were going to lose. I think there was a, I, and I think that was the reality a lot of Celtic fans felt. Is that right? No, I'm not saying that is right. But... That is, I think, there would have been an overwhelming feeling of, we'll lose this now. That's the wee turning point that we didn't need to happen. Uh, it's then went on went on since then to Rangers scoring, Shane Duffy up front, El Yunusi looking as useless as ever, um, and Scott Brown in the middle of the park, who really was on for the noise up, I thought, towards the end as well. And I don't like to call it individuals, but when I see him having a beer the next day, do you know what? We can run it and all. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. You know the thing with, with Duffy running about like a headless chicken up front? I likened him to Peter Schmeichel in the 94th minute uh, European game, Kev, because that was always what Man United done. They threw up Schmeichel. You've then given me an image of uh, a streaker doing Blackpool Pier on a stag night. I mean, that, that is what Duffy was. And by the way, we'll, we will get on to the red card, right? And I think it was, and I know there's plenty of Celtic fans out there who will disagree with me, I think it was a sending off. But I also think Duffy was lucky not to get sent off, and I think Morelos was lucky not to get sent off as well. So yeah, you do tend to just home in on the fact that four minutes into the game, Morelos stamps on Frimpong. And you think, well, okay, he's going to get away with that all day today. We've seen it before at Ibrox, we've seen it before at Celtic Park with Morelos. And yes, he did aim a punch in the direction of Scott Brown and he was held back and that's a Ferrari. But I look at Duffy and that tackle Duffy made, he could have been sent off as well, Kevin. I mean, let's talk about the decision. Yeah, it was pivotal in the, in the game, but as much as the red card, the game management on Lennon's part was just as much to blame for that defeat, Kevin Graham. What do you think? Uh, d- definitely. At the time, when when uh, when Beaton got sent off, 
I say, and he made the substitution that I turned and says to my dad, I says, what, what are these subs about? I says, he's, and I thought back to that Brendan Rodgers game as well. I thought back, you keep two up top, you, you, you lose a man in the middle of the park and you keep two up top and you keep on stretching them. And then I thought, oh, we're unlucky. The decisions maybe changed the game. And the more and more I started thinking about it is poor game management cost us that game. Neil Lennon cost us that game. Getting sending off, getting beat on getting sending off, getting sent off didn't they cost us that game? Neil Lennon and the coaching staff reaction got lost us that game. Nothing else. I mean, you can have a look at uh, oh, it was an own goal as well, but we haven't we haven't defended a set play all season. We haven't defended a ball across the ball, a ball across the top all season, which led to a beat on getting sent off. So yes, it was a coaching staff that cost us that game, and all, all the all the platitudes and everything uh, that they got up until that point went went out the window as soon as the, the lack of the lack of game management from that point. It was kind of like you go shopping first thing in the morning, you get to the you get to the checkout right. You get to the checkout and you forgot your wallet and your bag for life. Waste of time. Everything <laughs> that you've done good up until about that point is an utter waste of time. And that, and that, that's, that was Saturday for me. Do you use bags of life, Kev? That's the biggest, you know, that's the biggest shock about that story because I never remember that. Um, so, yes. You know, when you're looking at the, the fact that, again, I've already brought up the point um, I'm, I'm watching on Sky Sports at the moment all the decisions where they, they talk to the, the ex-ref the ref gives them he's taken it it would have been quite interesting because they're watching the Morello stamp there he's probably 8 or 9 yards away from a fourth official if that's what you call him some kind of official um, and he can see it just as clear as Neil Lennon can see it and anybody else watching the game can see it and it was really really poor and I think the, the referee um, should have put down a marker at that stage uh, and then from from there, some of the other decisions that we've seen obviously uh, may not have come to fruition. But Kevin, I'm going to I'm going to be quite bold here because I have <clears throat> I've been called a Lenny hater uh, over the last couple of days on the YouTube channel. I'm not a Lenny hater. I'm far from that. I mean, what Neil Lennon has done for Celtic Football Club um, is incredible, and he, he deserves immense credit for that. But I'll tell you, there's been a huge shift in culture at Celtic since he came back. And you go back to, for example, the time that Ronnie Dyla comes into Celtic Park, Kev, and he spoke about, uh, he, he continually spoke about how they required a change in culture at that stage. He couldn't implement it. He wasn't a strong enough character. The, the senior pros didn't buy into it, did they? Um, and you've heard people like, Charlie Mulgrew speaking in disparaging terms about the Ronnie Dyler era since then, which I think is unfair. Um, but I think what Dyler inherited was he inherited Lennon's culture. And that, that was a culture of a team that wasn't fit enough. Now, the difference back then was we weren't up against a supercharged challenge, which we are now. And we can't get away from that. Kevin, you just need to look at the record. I've heard people saying, oh, they weren't that good. Yeah, we played them off the park for an hour. We played them off the park, and that's what makes a defeat so difficult to take, because you think, well, for an hour we looked like the, the, the team that was 19 points ahead, but by the end of the game, all that matters is the scoreline. And and if, if that was us, like in the League Cup final, did we really have loads and loads of concerns after the, the League Cup final, after we had won, won nothing and snatched a victory out of that game? No, because you win, and that's all that matters, and you've got a winning mentality, and that's a league-winning mentality. Um, but I just think the culture at the moment, he's questioned our culture as a football club. I think it's Neil Lennon's culture that's killed 10 in a row. 
As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I think it's a brilliant way of putting it. Um, I think as well, just to touch on what you're saying there about uh, the challenge from uh, across the city, 20 wins out of 22, two draws, is title-winning form, end of story. Um, what really frustrates me, and this actually kind of ties in with what you're saying, um, when you think about Neil Lennon's part in all this, you talk about culture. I think we encouraged a winning mentality across the city as well this season when we gave them far too much respect in that first uh, derby match. We sat off them, we didn't have one shot on target and let them believe. And it's no coincidence that since then they went on and felt better about themselves whilst we went, whilst we went into the gutter um, with that terrible run of 2-12. Two and, two and uh, when you actually look at what, what happened on Sunday was it's not being it's not being petty about it. We're better we can play we are a better football team than them in my opinion. No two ways about it. It's just getting us organized properly, getting the right tactics and the right message across at the start of the game. Lennon actually happened to get it right on Sunday, but that has been a trial and error process that's cost us ten in a row. Let's yeah. not let's not beat around the bush. However, what it did also highlight was when you actually ask a question of the the opposition, they didn't have they didn't have much, you know, to, to come back with. They didn't have an answer, in fact, whatsoever. That all stems back to me to October, and we gave them such a such an advantage by letting them believe they were a better team first than what they are, giving them belief they'd go on and win the league, and also making ourselves look so tame and so afraid because we didn't even muster a shot on goal. Now I remember it was I first ever came on on your on your uh, your show, Paul, um, the following Monday after that game, <laughs> and I sat on the fence. Obviously, you were as balanced and diplomatic as ever. And Anthony from Four Times and a Pod was on and was quite forthright in his view that Neil Lennon has to go. Uh, I was, you know, understanding his points, but not wanting to go as far as that. I take that back, and I regret that now. And I think. Um, Looking back, Anthony was actually spot on. He was bang on the money, and everything he said since then is, you know, it's kind of unfolded and um, bang on like he sort of uh, foretold. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that first old fun just to just to round that up. I think that first Glasgow derby, whatever you want to call it, this season, I'm not getting petty about all that nonsense anyway. Um, but I think that first match in October set the tone for the for the following three. Well, Kevin, I'll let you come in there just before I steal your thunder. Um, the culture comes from the top. I kind of agree. I, I agree, Russell, to a point that there's no 19 points between the, the teams. There, there's, there's no 19-point gap. But the reason there is a 19-point gap is down to the coaching staff. That's the reason there's a 19-point gap. And, and there's a 19-point gap because of the reason of the culture of the club. Ball and golly deciding I'm, I'm, I'm going to Spain. Uh, actually, there was, I, I remember saying at the time there was no discipline at that point and getting shouted down for it. I says, there must be a reason that that player thought he could get away with in that. Mm-hmm. 
there must be a reason why he went, I can just go to Spain and they're never going to find it. Obviously, Disney King Glasgow, he doesn't the sweetie wives of, of Scottish football and the Scottish football bubble. But that culture comes from the top. That that culture started going downhill the day that Peter Wall slammed on the handbrake on the 25th of May 2019 and appointed Neil Lennon. That was the day the Rolls Royce went into the swimming pool and Enterprise Cars gave us a Fiat Punto to actually drive towards 10. That was the day the culture changed to the football club and it yeah. comes to the top. Now, Peter Wall can sit there and make his quips whatsoever. When, when or if Rangers won the league, it's probably inevitable now, they should be putting a statue of Peter Wall next to John Gregg and underneath it there should be, it shouldn't be Peter Wall inscribed, it should be Rory Bremner because he's been kidding on, he's been a CEO of an elite football club for too long now. Kevin, you mentioned the the appointment, the permanent appointment of Neil Lennon, and and to be fair to you, you mentioned it at the time. It's not as though, with hindsight, you're now saying Neil Lennon should never have been appointed. You and I disagreed on the point on this very podcast all that time ago, and we both stand by what we said because I, I think that Lennon delivered last season. But what's crept in is this culture, and as you say, the culture started then. Another big part of that was um, doing the the unthinkable and selling Kieran Tierney at that time. Uh, to the highest bidder and you know that's fresh in my mind because of that incredible bit of play that we saw from Tierney at the weekend for Arsenal um, you know and it's like when, when you see that and you, you think back to the 25 million we brought in for Tierney how many players do you think that we have bought since then have, have been a good use of any of that cash you know and that, that again goes to the, the recruitment side of things Kev and for too long, the recruitment, uh, the, the people at the head of recruitment, Nicky Hammond, who seems to be a kind of buffer between Neil Lennon and, and Peter Lowell, um, or he's just maybe easy enough for Peter Lowell, Lowell to control, um, which is probably more accurate. Um, he doesn't seem to get mentioned all that often, yet our recruitment has been very, very poor. Now, you look at the, uh, the Lee Griffiths situation, criticised, condemned for being unfit, um, yet, you know, th- this, this fitness issue obviously is in the, in the forefront of my mind when I see the, the players and, and the management, um, you know, enjoying themselves in Dubai. But we've got a player there in Albion and Yeti who's not yet fit to start a game, Kevin. And we're now in January. And we spent five million quid on him. So if we can't get the player fit, that's a cultural issue at the club. And that, that's part of what you're saying from the very, very top down. It comes from the top down and it's still there. It's still there. This trip to Dubai still emphasises that culture of we didn't care about the fans is still there. I mean, we've all seen the minutes of the three meetings that they've had with the trust, the association and uh, the affiliation recently. And I'm going to say it again. It was platitude rubbish. All it was was lip service and it would say, have a cup of tea, then I'll let the door hit you on the way out because we're not going to change what we're doing. What we're doing is utterly right. What we're doing is utterly blown the biggest advantage that we will ever have over mm. our main rivals. And it's all down to one man. We changed the culture of the football club by bringing in Ronnie Dyler and Brendan Rodgers, then decided, nah, that's not the way to go. Brendan Rodgers and Ronnie Dyler was the only way that a club in our financial environment can be at success. It is. Bringing Neil Lennon back in was never going to be that. We were always going to regress. It's actually like it's been managed decline. As I say, the fire done the handbrake, the Rolls Royce went in the swimming pool, we're now fleeing about and we're now fleeing about listening to Gribe and a Fiat Punto. That's what we're doing. <laughs> 
Now, I'm going to run through some of the points uh, from Saturday's game, some of the talking points that uh, the referees obviously been chatting about on Sky Sports this morning. Beaton's red card, Russell, we've already spoken about it. Um, was it a red card for you? Stonewall. It's a Stonewall red card. And I, I understand the argument about Ayer coming, you know, maybe maybe being able to get back in time. And one of the, one of the funniest was this, well, Morelos has never scored against Celtic before. I don't really think that's in the referee's copy book whether they've got a good record against the opposition. However, that is that is one of the things that I've read as well. And um, what I would say also, a rugby tackle in any area of the pitch when you're nowhere near the ball and miles off. Let's say it was at the centre circle and near Beaton does that exact same challenge whether the ball is far away from the player or not. Big decision to make there because that is Firstly, no attempt to play the ball. He's not even using his feet. It's a complete, it is a rugby tackle as it's been described on every platform you care to read, including Celtic, you know, uh, based ones. I'm, I'm not convinced there's much of an argument here. Um, whether you think Christopher Ayer's getting there or not, it was Stonewall. It was a game changer. And like I say, when I watched it happen, I that was my dawning of the fact that any flick, you know, flickering hope I had that was left of uh, 10 in a row occurring. I just, you know, just blown away in front of my eyes. Um, but it's Stonewall. I agree with that. I, I do think it was. And I've seen a lot of Celtic fans coming on and we're looking at various angles, Kevin. And we're looking at the fact that Ayer was, was going up the, the gears. You could see that. He was about to obviously go into hot pursuit. Um, and then Neil Lennon comes out after the game and he's of that view that uh, Ayer was going to cover it. He was going to push him wide. The goalkeeper's coming out and had a good angle. Kevin, uh, do you agree with, with Russell on the red card? Oh, it was a stonewall red card. There's, there's no argument. It was a red card. I can I can believe Lennon, uh, Neil Lennon came out after it and was dis- debating it. It's like a Sunday league challenge. I've seen I've seen I've had tackles like that myself when I did get a game every so often in a, in a, in a Sunday league. A big centre half that grapple on you and Shane Duffy's was a, a Sunday league challenge as well. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was like two hungover centre halves just trying to trying to kick a pacey a pacey centre forward, and we've had all season to try and eradicate that. And the coaching staff are no capable of doing it. And people are going, "Aye, it's Beaton's fault. It's Beaton's fault." Well, we know that we're susceptible to a ball over the top. We're not susceptible to set plays, and it's never been sorted. It's just ridiculous. Uh, JP Mason called it. On yeah. when, when we done it on, on Thursday, when we done the bulletin on Thursday, he says, Look at Beaton's push against Dundee United in the box. Mm-hmm. He, this is what he does. And yeah. he done it again. He done it again. It was an accident waiting to happen. And yes, if people can say he's done well for us, he done well in that game. But the bottom line is he still got caught in position and we Morelos was away from him. And he, and, and, and and he went to the basic it's fight or flight, ain't it? He went to he went to your chimp brain and his chimp brain was I'm just going to panic here and bring him down. That's what he did. Now Kev, this this is a conversation you and I have had previously. We're still scratching about all this time, all these transfer windows later for a centre half. We're still playing guys out of position. And that, again, that goes back to your point whereby the cultural issue is at the very top of the tree. We can't even get the basics right. You know, Neil Beaton's been at Celtic, what, eight years now? And, you know, I don't think that converted midfielder um, situation with him, that conversion has been a success. When you look at Ayer, I think that has been a success. And I know Celtic some Celtic fans disagree with that. At this moment in time, Ayer's your best centre-half. Uh, I know 
uh, Julian's out for three to four months and we'll, we'll talk about that in a second but we're still at that situation where in the first game that Russell's already spoken about back in October we've got to play Stephen Welsh right three months later we've still got an issue at centre half and we've got to play near beat on there even though Shane Duffy's um, been brought in and he's on the bench again I mean all this time later January Duffy's still not you know going to be a first pick for Neil Lennon so that begs the question a couple of weeks ago, or last week, Neil Lennon was asked the question about the transfer window. And he says he's quite happy with the balance of the side. He's not going to go into the transfer market. Dundee United game comes up, Julian collides with a post. Um, and then we see that we're, we really are desperate for a, a, an imposing centre-half. Or just someone who can play the position would be good to, as a starting point. So I, I think that there needs to be movement in the transfer window. But even that causes an issue. Because you think, well... We've still got the same gaffer in charge. We've still got the same person who's going to coach that that pers- that that player that comes in. Uh, we've seen we've seen like Salt coming in and in his first half a dozen games being an absolute standout and then basically tapering off to the level of his colleagues, right? Um, and by the way, like Salt made a, a tackle in the in the first half on forty one minutes that I'll tell you was the best tackle of the game. Um, that that was a that was a goal saving tackle because I didn't fancy Barkas to stop Morelos. Um, hard lack salt, no slid in. So we're now in that situation. It's very difficult because we know we need the reinforcements because the 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 other option is you play Duffy or you play Welsh or you play Alhamid, arguably out of position as well in the centre half position because Julien's got a three to four month injury layoff. So we're going to have to go into the transfer market. What part does Neil Lennon play? Because I'm not expecting a review. What's going to happen with this review that we're going to get in January? Um, because I, I don't expect him to be removed from office. We are in a really a really difficult situation and position at this moment in time because we can't run with Duffy at the back. We can't run with hoping that uh, Stephen Welsh can, can deal with these big games coming up. I mean, at the, you're looking at that league table. If we go back into a rut, that we've just come out of, or I felt we had just come out of, um, as a result of the, the game against Rangers, then there's no guarantee we'll even finish second. No. Uh, when you go, Russell. Uh, there's the way you described that. It was absolutely perfect. I think um, that is the conundrum now, because, like I say, October, I was wrong. Tony was right. You make a managerial change there. They have the January window ahead of them. We don't end up in that terrible run that we do that, that we did. And when we go to January, you know who your manager's going to be when you sign for Celtic going forward. Right now, I'm in a position where I cannot, I can't envisage any way um, Neil Lennon will be the, the manager next season. It's not going to happen. We all know it already, which makes everything even more farcical, but that's another debate. Right now, who can you bring into the football club on a basis of you are going to be Celtic's centre-back for the next three and a half years? You might not be. It might be a new manager who comes in the summer who doesn't fancy you. Therefore, what do we get back to? Loans. Mm. And loans are at the root of so many of our problems. It's unbelievable. Um, I think in January, the first two dealings I would make is I would get rid of Elianusi and Duffy straight away, get those wages you know, protected. We've paid the loan fees. I'm sure there must be a clause. You can terminate it midway through the season. Um if we could pay Shane Duffy £50,000 a week, £45,000 a week, whatever it is, imagine if we paid that to a manager. That'd be nice. Um, but yeah, in terms of your point about the centre-back thing, I don't understand where we go from here when it's quite apparent there's almost a mutual acceptance between us all. And that even includes the board. 
Neil Lennon won't be there next year. So how on earth do you move forward when Julian, who to me is key, uh, and I actually like Julian, I, I, I've always defended Julian in fairness, and I think you're right about Ayers. I think Ayers having a fantastic season. Um, but right now we're at a stage where we cannot replace either of them. You know, if, if Ayers going to play right back and Julian's outperformance, we can't replace any either of them with a long-term solution because we don't know who the management team is going to be and whether they'll fans them long-term or not. We are in no man's land in that, in, in that regard. And maybe Stephen Welsh, do you know what? If we have accepted that the ten's gone, and we have accepted it, what's wrong with them with playing a youngster and bring someone through if we think they've got the, the potential to have a go? Because we've wasted enough. Well, you ask yourself, Russell, you get to the point, you ask yourself, would um, someone like Welsh have done any worse than, than Duffy? on Saturday I mean when you look at his contribution it, it's just not worked for the guy right we all know he's a he's a mad Celtic fan this was his dream move he's always wanted to play for Celtic we've heard that before but we actually believed it with Shane Duffy right it's just not worked out and it's not going to work out there's not going to be this massive sea change that people are expecting we go to Dubai and everything becomes great again Rangers don't have it in them Rangers aren't winners Rangers don't know how to win a league well, they're shown so far. This is a different scenario from last season, Kevin. I've heard so many people referring back to, yeah, but in the second half, and if they lose this game and we win both, there's no evidence to suggest that's going to happen in the second half of this season. Um, you yourself have been a big critic of Peter Lowell, but you do it in a balanced way, Kevin. Uh, we were given this information uh, that you know we we're going to have a review in January in, <laughs> in relation to the managerial setup. Now, I am of the view that nothing is going to change. Will we even get an up? As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Will we even get a statement? Who knows? I don't think anything is going to change in January or indeed between now and the end of the season when it comes to the, the managerial team. Now, this this is a managerial team that's uh, you know presided over four four knockouts, if you like, in competition, and I include the league in that. All we've got to play for now, four out of five, the only we've got to play for now is the Scottish Cup. Now, that's indefensible. There, there's so many Neil Lennon fans out there. And I say Neil Lennon fans because they can't see beyond, yeah, but if Julien had been fit for the game against Rangers, they'll always have another excuse as to why we've lost a game, you know, or why we've lost a running games. And it's never Neil Lennon's fault. Well, I'm sorry, it is Neil Lennon's fault. So, Kevin, do you think that there will be any change? Would you be surprised if we just maintain the status quo from now until the end of the season? I would be extremely surprised if there's any change whatsoever. Neil Lennon doesn't look like a guy who knows his job is on the line. There's a strange Twitter account appeared that Celtic analytics are on, right? And, and, and I'm wondering if it's a wind-up or not, if it is a wind-up. But basically, that says if, if we win the three games in hand, win every game for now, including the Rangers game uh, in March, uh, uh, Celtic Park it's a minimum of seven points behind and what they can son I'm going that's the way the Celtic board will be thinking about this and I've seen the minutes of the meetings, meetings that, that, that they've had with the supporters groups and basically the club of says I'm not going to say it's Peter Wallace says the club of says we were lucky to get Rodgers and didn't expect us to actually get that level again 
So if we if we are if we're actually sitting here believing that the club really believe that they can replace Neil Lennon with somebody that's better than Neil Re- Lennon, then well, you may as well send me your bank details because they're they're not even going to attempt to replace Neil Lennon with somebody that's far better than Neil Lennon. And this is this is where I'm coming from. This this is where I want the club to have a long term plan. I want them to come out with a long term plan. And I, again, I've been banging the, the Jack Ross drum, but. Whether I want Jack Ross or not, whether I feel Jack Ross is good enough for Celtic Football Club is another story. But I just believe that's the route that will go down for a couple of different reasons. One, they've maybe realised that they need somebody that can develop players now. Two, Brendan Rodgers really, really rates Jack Ross really highly. And three, he's cheap. That's the three. That's the three reasons that I reckon Jack Ross will be the next Celtic manager. This next season, this from now at the end of the season, is just about trying to generate goodwill for season ticket renewal time, and and for, and for them to generate goodwill from now to, uh, from now to the season ticket renewal time is win the Scottish Cup and maybe get it, maybe lose the league by six, seven points. Then then they can actually look at, by the way, we gave that a decent go and see that nasty COVID, eh? That's what caused us all. And the fact that you won in the stadium. I can see the narrative, I can see the PR spin by, by the club already. We've seen that, we've seen it, met. We've seen it mentioned, Kev. We've seen it mentioned about, you know, we're missing the fans, right? And we've already seen that narrative um, beginning to, to surface. But, with one or two photographs in Dubai, that goodwill has been absolutely shattered. Russell, how how does the PR team come back from that? There is no comeback from that. That is, to me, they, they've they've absolutely outdone themselves this time. Uh, I think it's that photo just shows how far removed Celtic as a club or the Celtic PR team is. I think is doing them a, a, a favour. To be fair, I think it's the club as a whole is removed from the the mood of the support. Um, they can blame that on there being no fans in the ground and we couldn't pick up the vibes. Nonsense. Um, I think it's just deplorable. that, that See, once that result happened and you realise you've lost something that would have went down in the history of the club for eternity. Forever. It was monumental what was at stake this season. Saturday ended that, okay? Ended it. I think it is ridiculous to think whether there's cameras, whether there's no cameras, to think that you can sit and have a have a beer in front of the rest of the teammates that you know the two guys having the beer ironically in the photo are the two guys that won't be there next year. And that frustrates the life out of me because all we are told is these are your Celtic men. These are the guys that are the ethos of the club at heart and are gonna bring out bring on the next generations. Well there's your example guys. That's what David Tumble's to look up to. That's what Soros to look up. That's what Edward, if he's still there, is to look up to. That manager lying, you know, oh, it's just embarrassing. I can't even bother going into the photo itself. But as I say, I think with that example being set just leaves the worst taste in the mouth ever of what has already been a season, like you so accurately called earlier, Paul. Discuss, discussions by our own manager, the very man with the San Miguel in his hand, talking about culture, talking about a change in attitude, talking about players who don't want to be there. How can you lie like that on a sunbed drinking a beer after yesterday? Makes me sick, man. Well, I'm going, I'm going to slightly disagree with you, Russell. I've got no problem with them bonding. 
I've got no problem with them bowling at all, but I think the culture which is wrong is the fact that they've went to Dubai in the first place. And everything that's happened in this absolutely back crazy world in the last nine months, the fact that they thought, let's take our players to Dubai when 60,000 season ticket holders can't go to the shops. Mm-hmm. When 60,000 season ticket holders can't go to their council area. You've got to, you're, you're right, you've got to apply to let your, your kid go to nursery, Kevin. You've got to apply for to allow your kid to go to nursery. Yeah, and this is where I might be criticised for this. I called Celtic as a club fat, lazy and arrogant. That's the arrogant part of it. That's where the arrogance comes in. They're above that, Kev. We're above this. We can go to Dubai. We can, what happens if we have another couple of COVID casualties on the back of that trip? How do we yeah. deal with that? What happens now if, if Nicola Sturgeon changes the, changes the law and the, t- the team needs to quarantine for 10 days when they come back in? Well, what happens then? Then we're completely messed up. And that wouldn't surprise me if that happened. That would probably just sum, sum, sum us up. Folk, folk have actually looked at me over the last four years and went, how can you call our football club a shambles? Mm-hmm. I'm going, the football club is a shambles. And I've been saying it through all this period of success. And now everything's just, it's like a domino effect and the dominoes are just now toppled. And now everybody's now coming coming up with it, going, oh, wait a minute, you're maybe right in the first place. I didn't want to be right. I never yeah. wanted to be right. But the fact is that how we've managed to win four trebles in a row under the, the, the tutelage and how we run as a football club is unbelievable. It's really unbelievable. What we'll do at the moment, gents, is we'll have a, a run through some of the comments. I know that uh, you guys carried this baton last Monday. You've done it a couple of times very well, in fact, that uh, I thought I was going to be made redundant. But um, you didn't get the opportunity to bring up the, the comments, Kevin, so we'll run through some of them. Patrick Murphy commenting on YouTube, this season has showed we need change at all levels of the club. A pint by the pool in Dubai isn't worth getting round up over. As feared, we fell asleep at the wheel. That's where the focus should be. B and Kaplan Mark, if the images are correct, this that identifies everything wrong about the culture currently throughout our club. And worst of all, it's looked as acceptable by some after a disastrous season. Kevin, we had a, a wee laugh because we had a, a guest on the show uh, when Celtic played particularly well, probably only for 30 minutes, and he called it Lenny Ball, right? And I says to you, and we had the discussion, what is Lenny Ball? And you said Lenny Ball is chaos. I think you're right. I think any team managed by Neil Lennon takes chaos uh, on board, and that's what we are seeing at the moment. We've had the interview recently from Kelvin Wilson, who said that, you know, (coughs) after games, uh, before games, the the analytics wasn't there. Um, We've had Ronnie Dyla coming in and saying that the team wasn't fit when he took over. And then we're getting this, and this is on the back of Lenny criticising the culture um, of the players. This is after Lenny saying that they're unfit. And as I said before, certain players who, who aren't starting games in January, uh, Lee Griffiths has only just came into the side. Uh, a Yeti £5 million signing still can't start games regularly because he's clearly unfit. I mean, he didn't even come on at the weekend. He's sitting on the bench and we're playing Duffy up front. So when I look at that situation, as it stands at this moment in time, my view hasn't changed on Neil Lennon. I think that uh, we need to make that managerial change immediately. Uh, I've been asked a question uh, about Neil Lennon. If that means Lennon's removed and then we run with an interim partnership between now and the end of the season, it would probably result in the coaching staff remaining. Kevin, would that be any better? 
No, it needs root and branch change. The fish needs filleted on the bank. It needs come. We, we need we need to actually completely rip this thing up and start again. And and I think this was was also going to need to happen if this season was ultimately successful, because this was always a pivotal season. This was always a cliff drop season. And now the cliff has just actually it's like it's like the cliffs are over. Eh? The, 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 it's just receding. And now we're in Jan- we're in the fourth of January, and we're already standing at that cliff edge. And we're not across it yet, but we're, we're, we soon will be across it. And we, we really need to. It's where do, where do we go for here? Where do we actually go for here? I mean, there's so many things that my football club has done wrong. It's unbelievable. I mean, where we are now? How long if the if the pendulum has swung? How long do we want the, the cycle to last? How long do we want the cycle of a failure to actually last? And this is a decision. It's a long-term decision that's got to make. I mean, you look, look at the things that the way the way that we act as a football club, the way that we've, we've handled certain things like the boys' club thing, the season ticket thing. At, at this precise moment in time, the only decisions that I've got to make is whether I put my hand in my pocket for next season. That's my only decision that I've got left. And you're talking about I've been going to watch Celtic for 40 years. And I'm actually sitting here now going, do I actually even want, if they're going to continue with the status quo, do I even want to give them any more? Do I actually want to give them £600 next season? If they came to me at this precise moment in time, at this minute, and says, do you want your £600 back for this season? And that cancels your season book for next season. I would go, yes. Transfer it back into my bank account. How That's many, how many fans do you think are of the same view, Kev? I reckon there's thousands. I think there's thousands. Mm-hmm. It will be you, you, you're going to go back to Ronnie Dyler. I hope that it's, it's a good job they've got the tarpaulins because they'll probably need them for next season. Where, where is the the charm offensive? Because you're, you're right, uh, the the top tier being closed for Europa League games, uh, season ticket holders not bothering to go to many of the games. Uh, what stopped all that uh, was the appointment of Brendan Rodgers. Uh, we all know that, all right? So he comes in. I don't call him an elite manager, but he's certainly a box office manager at that time. By the way, the way his team's performing this season might make him an elite manager, who knows? But at that time, he was certainly box office, and that's why 13,000 Celtic fans turned up for his unveiling, for, him, for his arrival at the stadium. Now, Kevin doesn't believe that we're going to go down that route. I think a lot of Celtic fans, myself included, sometimes gets a bit carried away as to who we can attract. Um, Just look at where Pochettino went, right? Just have a look at that. So there's a level of managers that will be nowhere near Celtic Park. Then you come down to a a level under that, Kev. You've mentioned Jack Ross. I don't even think he's in the second level. I think he's a wee bit further back than that, to be honest with you. And I don't disrespect Jack Ross. I speak very highly of him as a manager. But if you want to talk about where we're going from here... I don't even see that as a sideways step, you know, and, and there's a point coming in here in relation to Hibs' poor results recently as well and how they're performing. And, you know, I made the, I made the point when I was at Sunderland, 19 1-1 draws Jack Ross had because I, I think he, he doesn't have an edge that you need to have as a Celtic manager, that winning edge whereby you know how to change a game. In match, Kevin, this is a big criticism we have in Neil Lennon. I don't think Jack Ross has got that capability. There's a lot of managers out of work, and I think we're going to go for a manager who's out of work because that's what we did with Brennan Rogers, and that's what we did with Neil Lennon second time round. I think we're going to stick to that because that saves us a couple of million pounds in compensation. But there's plenty of managers at that level, but you need to sell yourself to them now 
as a football club because we're so shambolic, because of the way that the, the recruitment's been dealt with over a number of seasons now, Kevin, uh, and because of the, the way that Brennan Rodgers departed, and he was quite vocal uh, for, for the weeks and months leading up to that departure in relation to keeping players or bringing players in. Um, you know, the John McGinn saga, Castagne, Dembele, you know, Sved even under Rogers. All these are issues for managers coming in. They know this is the culture of the club. Can I work under these conditions? Because Peter Lowell will want to control you as a manager. So we're at that situation, Kevin. How long do you want that pendulum to swing uh, uh, in Rangers' direction? Well, if you want it to be any longer than one season, you've got to act just now. Because if you leave it to the summer, then, you know, it might be a couple of seasons because that rebuilding job gets worse and worse with every passing transfer window. And I certainly wouldn't, I wouldn't trust Neil Lennon in this transfer window. So that, that's where we are. Personally, my view's not changed since October at halftime against Pataudry. Russell, where's you, where, where's your, uh, your brain at the minute? Where's your state of mind in terms of the Celtic management? Yeah, I think, I think you make, you make some good points there. And the name that you mentioned, funnily enough, Brendan Rogers, uh, you only need to look at what Leicester, what their conditions were on hiring Brendan Rogers when they took him from Celtic. Now, we all know he likes a, a tale and a story. However, he's quite adamant that he would have preferred to have stayed at Celtic till, and seen the season out. And it was in a condition of Leicester that you either join now or you don't. As you just touched on, look how well they are, they are doing since, since he went in there. And obviously this season in particular, but he had a four-month head start. That is the key to why he's been so successful at Leicester. He, yeah. had, he had a a free hit situation, if you like, where he could work with the Leicester squad that was there, work out who's staying in, work out who's not going to cut it, and then just filter that out and then identify the targets in the relative positions. Ironically, Castagne now being one of his fullbacks. Um, and I think if we were to wait until the summer, I am very concerned we end up appointing someone else in the showers because that is, that was, that is last minute Larry stuff. And it worries me that they didn't, they, they actually said in their own words, uh, you know, that they didn't actually interview anyone else for the job last time out. They That's knew right. they had the right man. Well, why was he a caretaker in the first place then? <laughs> if you already knew. Nonsense. Yeah, you, you did it on the back of glory uh, to try and nullify the the disheartened uh, opinion of the Celtic fans that it was going to be Neil Lennon when really you've, you, everyone knew it was a downgrade. Um, so they did it on the back of a, of a treble uh, victory. This time they're not going to have that comfort. And that is very interesting. So if you wait till the summer, are you giving the manager the best opportunity possible if he's only got the summer to work with on a squad that, let's be honest, confidence is only going to be diminished further over the next five months if things carry on as they are? Or are you better to plan ahead and attack now? Like you say, plenty of managers out of business, uh, out, of, out of business, out of work. Um, Eddie Howe was obviously the name that we spoke about earlier. Players need coached now. They need mollycoddled. Whether we think it's right or wrong in football is a completely different conversation. Um, it's proven that this season, the players at Celtic, I think, are from a certain school that they need coached. I happen to think Gerard signed players that wanted to play for Rangers more than they wanted to further their careers. That was the pinnacle of a lot of their, their careers. Whereas Celtic signed players for stepping stones, as stepping, you know, Celtic being the stepping stone. If that's the case, then you need to coach them through that and develop them and nurture them and get them, you know, these big sell-on fees. That's not going to happen under a Neil Lennon character. So where's you know, my brain at? 
No, I don't have a clue. <laughs> no, w- one point you made there, Russell, and one point that I think is vital uh, to where Celtic are at the moment is when Leicester made their appointment in February of a season, they weren't making it to save a season. They were making it because no. they were planning ahead. And I think that's where Celtic are right now at this moment in time. Now, there's a point came up, Kevin, I'm not going to answer it for you because I've got my own views, but it's on the back of your comments. And this is coming in from Kevin Mack via YouTube. Nine in a row, quadruple treble, club failure. Not sure about that, Kev. Uh, we've, been, we've been successful on the park, but an absolute failure off the park. If you have a look at our plan and the way we execute things, I mean, domestically we've been we've seen things that nobody will ever see again. We have seen things that nobody will ever see again. But what about Europe? What about getting put out with Eastern European jobbers like Fenerbahce and Cluj? And I mean, when since since the, the since we've put the brakes on. Has Neil Lennon won a massive... Well, we've got through the, 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 the group, but how many big games has Neil Lennon won in the last 12 months? Mm. The, 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 I know. Cluj was the big... For me, the Cluj game was the massive red light warning when we managed to absolutely throw that away. And I understand where he's coming from, yes. And this this is where folk, Rangers fans that I know have been saying to me, what do you mean you're an utter mess? I says, we're a shambolically run club. And for them, no, for them to have caught us, that is an ultimate failure. When we've had a nine-year head start, for them to have caught us is the ultimate, ultimate failure. And not just caught us. Are you looking at the, the season where we won, we won under Vim Janssen? That was tight and we won it on the last day of the season. They've not just caught us. They're obliterating Celtic this season. That's the biggest frustration for me as well. It's not even close, Kev. We're, we're 19 points behind. And I keep hearing this up at the three games in hand. Right, OK, we'll still to win them, right? And, and, you know... We've only won six games in 19. So <laughs> we, we are now actually going to go for now at the end of the season unbeaten. For history, a recent history doesn't say that's possible. There's a lot of names that keep coming back. We've seen Eddie Howe time and time again getting mentioned. I can understand why. Of course I can. Uh, Monty is one of the, the viewers who is mentioning Rafa Benitez. Kev, I think that goes back to the point where he's getting paid funny money where he is at the moment. You would really need to push the boat out financially. I actually, I agree with Russell. I would much rather spend three million on a manager than on a, a striker who ends up to be Patrick Clamalla. Or, or bio or any number of names that we could go through I would much rather invest in the management and coaching staff yep. than in uh, a project signing from somewhere uh, on the planet because more often than not now that's not working for Celtic um, Mark Hughes is a name I've mentioned time and time again on this platform and the reason that I bring this up is because people also mention someone like Roy Keane whose name has been mentioned, and then Robert Highland comes in to say Keane would be a total disaster. There's always this thought process of, ah, but he's a Celtic man, he knows the club, he's Irish. Have a look at his managerial credentials. Roy Keane's managed 181 games, half of which, in fact, more than half of which, were in the Championship. He got Sunderland out of the Championship. He's done nothing else. As a manager... Not for me. So on the flip side of saying, would he have tolerated what we're, we're arguing about in terms of pints by the pool after getting beat by Rangers and possibly thrown away 10 in a row? 
No, he wouldn't. But we would still require tactics. We would still require the development of players. Yeah. Roy Keane doesn't bring that. I like I like him to watch on the TV. Uh, I think that's where he is. That that's what he's good at, and that's where he should stay. But you you do see sometimes names that Celtic fans think, oh, Roy Keane, no chance for me. Mark Hughes, six hundred and ten games at the top level in English football or international level, um, and there's other managers who, you know, and it's not. You know, this shouldn't be where we're, our, our, our kind of level is. It's not the fact I think he would do better than Neil Lennon, because I do think he would. Him and his coaching staff would do better. Um, it's just the fact that, you know, we're writing a lot of people off who would actually do well at Celtic. Jack Ross is someone whose name's coming up, Kevin, and a lot of people are disagreeing with that. Um, I think a big part of your reasoning behind it, Kevin, is that's the level you're expecting the club yes. to be at. You've said that previously, Kevin, isn't it? You, you, you think that's where we're going to be aiming for? That's the level the club have uh, told the fans groups that, that they're looking at. That's the level that says they got, I think the exact words were, they got lucky. They were in the right place at the right time with Brendan Rodgers. But that's not that's not normal. I, I, I'm going to admit this. I, I was in a meeting when we appointed Ronnie Dyla. I got behind Ronnie. Because I could understand why they were appointing a manager like Ronnie Dyler. I could actually see the point of it and go, all right, you're going to try something different. Brendan Rodgers was a massive upgrade on Ronnie Ronnie Dyler, but to do the exact same thing, to actually develop the club, develop the club to sell the players on, that's where we are. We're in a a complete and utterly small market. That's where we are. We need to actually develop players to sell them on. And you bring in a coaching team who have no experience of developing players. You look at Brendan Rodgers' back catalogue, Chelsea, the players that he'd run through at Chelsea, then what he'd done at Swansea. He had a track record of developing players. He's doing it it again with Leicester, with a a complete and utterly young squad at Leicester. Now, there's one likely he's going to replace Frank Lampard at Chelsea. I I was just going to ask you that, Kev. Do you you honestly think, think he would do that? He would do that because Chelsea have got a young squad. Chelsea have bought young players who will suit the Brendan Rodgers philosophy. Brendan Rodgers knows how to deal with, what was it Neil Lennon says, I used to deal with 20-year-old men, now I deal with 29-year-old boys. Well, unfortunately, Neil, that's how football works now. And Brendan Rodgers knows how how to actually deal with that. Steven Gerrard knows how to deal with that. Michael Beale knows how to deal with that. Neil Lennon doesn't. And that's the biggest downfall. And whoever the next manager is will have to deal with that football culture which has changed now Paul Sinclair's coming in to ask if I will get sacked if I criticise Callum McGregor um, a lot of people ask me the question uh, regularly Paul utter useless again swearing at being subbed if that's a man to lead us moving forward we're in bigger trouble than I thought first thing I would say I don't think he was swearing at being subbed I think he was swearing because he just scored an own goal and he was gutted um, at that point Callum McGregor, do I criticise him enough? I don't think he's had a great season this season. Um, I think he's started to play better since Soro came into the side. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll be critical of anyone who doesn't perform well. Uh, player, manager, CEO, whoever it is uh, under a Celtic uh, banner, I will criticise them if, if I feel that it's necessary. But I try and do it in a balanced way. Kevin, what's your thoughts on McGregor? He's obviously taken the captain's armband over the last few games since Brown has dropped out. I think he's been fine. He's not been up to his usual standard, but then his usual standard's that high. Um, it's very easy to it's very easy to forget that he's actually there. I thought he was fine on I thought he was fine on Saturday. It, it's 
I think we're just looking for people to blame. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's quite... It, it, there's, there's people just go, he doesn't do enough, he doesn't do this, doesn't do that. I liked his leadership. I thought he led by example. I thought he picked up the ball well, moved the ball well. he done the Callum McGregor things that he does well. What McGregor this season has been poor at is the things that Callum McGregor doesn't do well, like defending and getting caught in the box and trying to track back. But then that was the way that we were playing. That was the way that he was getting asked to play. I'm just going to rewind it a bit, and I'm going to say this. Your manager should be the highest paid guy at your football club. Yeah. End of. That's it. And if you're yeah. a football club going to appoint a manager, your manager should be the highest paid employee at that football club. And now yeah. I'm, I'm, sitting here, I'm sitting here thinking about like withdrawing season ticket money and that. And I know for a fact that what the club would do, they would sack the people on the zero-hour contracts. They would cut back on the commercial staff. They would cut back on the ticket office staff. They would cut back on the they would cut back on the minions who didn't make a difference and still throw money at the vast pit, at absolutely rubbish projects. And, and that, yeah. that's what worries me. That's what worries me. But I'll go back and say the guy, the employee, the highest-paid employee at your football club has got to be your manager. I remember Marco Van Basten saying that, and he wasn't a bad gaffer as well. Russell, um, I'm bringing up this point from John McFarlane. David Moyes is another name doing a good job at West Ham, so why not? I think they're sitting 10th in the league at the moment. If you had asked Celtic fans three or four months ago about David Moyes, they would have spat their tear. They would have said no. It would have been the same kind of reaction you get when you mention Mark Hughes. For example, my point is this. That, you know, you, you mentioned the name Slavin Bilic and people think that's a sexier appointment. Is his record any better? You know, people need to realise that, that our level of ambition as a club will never ever go to a, a, a Ranić. I don't think. I don't think it will go to a Pochettino and I don't even think it will go to Benitez who, Kevin, you see the name coming up time and time again. Um, I've seen Mick McCarthy's name being mentioned from time to time. That's coming in from Facebook. Felix Five, Mark Hughes would be good. Vastly experienced at a top level. Great coaching staff too. I've seen Stevie Clark's name popping up in the comment section um, as well. Uh, but we are at a stage where we still have Neil Lennon in charge. And until we get an update from the, the guys in charge, that is what we're going to have to deal with. The charm offensive, Kevin, when it gets to that stage where the club try to then sell us next season, how difficult is it going to be if Neil Lennon is still in charge? Are they even considering that? Extremely difficult. Uh, what they would probably need to do, they would probably need to do what Ronnie did before the end of the season announced that there's going to be a change. And I think that may happen. I mean, I, w- I was still, I was still of the belief that we would be seeing Jack Ross by the end of this month, and that may happen. We may see Jack Ross before the end of the season if the Scottish Cup goes goes south. Um, but that's what they'll need to do. From now to the end of the season, it's all about building that goodwill and whether they've got the ability to do it. We, we're like a gambler who goes into. We, we're like a gambler who goes into the bookies and plays the, the roulette machines with our wages. Mm. And you get into your last pound and we hope it comes up. That's what we're like. We're, and we've been like that for nine years. That's, that's what we've been like. We've actually reacted to absolutely everything. We've never, we've never actually planned forward. And I can't see them doing any different. It'll be reaction. It'll be a whole absolute... Massive change in the summer, and when we when we get put put out the Champions League or whatever competition we're at, I bet we're building back in. The change should have been made months ago. 
Russell. I'm not going to change that. Russell. No, uh, I'm going to come to you, Russell, uh, for your last comment on the situation. I'm talking about a charm offensive. There will come that point where the club realises, right, we've got to try and shift 54,000 season tickets to a fan base who haven't been able to watch the side. And what they have seen has been dreadful. Now, we've started off that charm offensive by getting beaten at uh, Ibrox by Rangers and then with the the Dubai debacle um, following it up. Is that the kind of thing? Is that discord between the fans and the club going to force them into action? Um, I'm not going to say to the to the kind of level of Brendan Rodgers, but will it force them to take a different kind of turn? It's hard to it's hard to tell because I mean I get what Kevin said. I think the highest paid person at a football club should be the manager. I actually happened to, and I kind of touched on it a few weeks ago. Um, I have to think as well that the person who can generate the club the most revenue is also the manager. Because if you get a manager who's getting your Champions League qualification in Celtic's case, or is doing this development of players that we seem to think that Neil Lennon obviously isn't doing, and we think that there are managers out there that can do, then that's how you then get higher transfer fees received as well. Um, so therefore, naturally, yeah, if you could pay Shane Duffy 50 grand a week, I would love us to pay that for a, a, a top manager because I think it would make us money in the in the future as well as opposed to costing us. Do I think Celtic are going to go down that road? I happen to subscribe to Kevin's view. Whilst I don't know if it is Jack Ross, essentially, um, I think someone of a similar ilk. I think we're about to watch a massive downsizing and the reason we'll be told that is because we have just invested two million pounds and fifty thousand pounds a week on a centre half, and because we threw the kitchen sink at uh, ten in a row, and because of obviously the COVID situation, you guys haven't been able to come and support us like you normally do. So please buy your season tickets, accept the downgrade, and we move on from there. Um, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be pretty dull, I think, going forward. I don't, I don't see that ambition that we we so. We really want to happen. You know, Benitez, as I said, that would be my ideal appointment. I don't think it is as ridiculous as others do. I really don't. If he manages Newcastle under Mike Ashley in the Championship, he would manage Celtic for the right money a week and given a proper budget uh, to take on a name like Stephen Gerrard. They use us. They used us all the time. That's how they got Gerrard in, was, you know, Celtic sort of success thing. Let's use the fact that Stephen Gerrard, you talk about sexy names. He is a sexy name in football, whether we like it or not. Um, and I think that can help entice a better calibre of manager to want to go and rival him in the dugout. Uh, I just don't think Celtic have got the, I've got that mindset, unfortunately, though, um, as much as I would love it to be true. Kevin, were you coming in there to? I've noticed quite a few commenters saying Sean Dice. Sean Dice is one of the highest played managers in England. There's no way, no. there's no way that our current CEO would, would look to match Sean Dice's wages. And he's got full control at Burnley as well. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, one final point. Uh, everyone will be aware that we we pushed out a, a big fundraiser on the Quadruple Treble weekend. It was a great success. So thanks, everybody, for getting involved and for donating. I was chatting to a friend of mine from New Zealand who I used to work with, who sadly lost his wife to a terrible accident in November. You might have heard about it in Portobello where she was knocked off her bike. So I've put a... a a link underneath the video for a fundraiser. They're, they're raising funds for some charities. Uh, she was killed tragically at a young age. 
for some charities uh, that were close to, to Heather Stronach's heart. So please, if you can, give anything, please do so. I know that the Celtic support pulled together. And although uh, Martin is from New Zealand, he does certainly have a fondness for Celtic. And he was very, very supportive of me with my Celtic books. And he certainly read them and sent them to friends and family back home. So rest in peace to Heather, who tragically lost her life back in November. Kevin... And Russell, Monday uh, is always a good one for the bulletin, so thank you very much for your contributions. Thanks everybody on the comments for getting involved via Facebook, YouTube uh, and also Twitter. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe on our YouTube channel. It is growing, it's getting bigger. Uh, Even if it is just to come in and vent when things aren't going so well, please join us and, and keep supporting us. Thanks everyone and we'll see you next Monday again on A Celtic State of Mind. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad, because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's E-A-S-Y to 203203. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives Gives you access to all every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.